am Beth Krause, also known as Birch Bark Beth. I'm a birch bark basket weaver from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and this is Cut the Craft. Yeah, filthy basket talk. I can just, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that should be a bumper sticker. Filthy basket talk. Filthy basket talk. <laughs> I love it when you talk basket to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Oh. Um, okay, are we ready? Are we ready to get into it? I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready. Yeah, we're ready. Yeah. Okay. Born ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our, <laughs> oh yeah, I like that attitude. Um, we welcome to the show, everybody. This is Cut the Craft. I'm Brian, and I'm Amy, and we are here with Beth Krause, aka Birchbark Beth. Hello, and uh, Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Beth, can you describe a little um, for our listeners what what it is you're making, and how did you become interested in it? Well, I um, I make birch bark baskets mostly, well, baskets, and um, I harvest my materials myself and I process them all by hand, which takes way, way much longer than anyone would ever assume. Even I fool myself and tell myself it's not going to take as long or as much material. Um, And then I weave different things like backpacks or table baskets or um, whatever I can kind of think of. And I got into basketry, I guess, at North House Folk School. I was an intern there um, back in 2012. Can you tell us a little bit about the school? Yeah, North House Folk School is a, a folk school that is in Grand Marais, Minnesota, and it's right along Lake Superior. And people can uh, sign up to take classes. Some of them are one day, some of them are two weeks. Uh, you can like build a sauna or build a boat or do blacksmithing or basket weaving. And they have an internship program where you live on campus for nine months with a couple other interns and you set up the classrooms for different instructors. You get to take classes, you like clean up and kind of do whatever, answer the phones. Um, and I went there in hopes to become a boat builder. Hmm. Uh, I was very obsessed at the time and I still would love to do this, but you know, life happens and you get a little distracted, (laughs) but, um, I always wanted to build a boat and then take it down the Mississippi river. What? That's awesome. So, right. Yeah. Well, I, I have this plan has. Yes, my plan has morphed. I'll tell you that in just a second. But, um, <laughs> Are you going to weave a basket? Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Oh, I have made I've made several boats. I made like a Susan Skiff and a Cedar Strip canoe. Oh. And I took like lofting classes, which is how you learn how to read boat designs. Okay, um, cool. And decked hand on the Yordas, which is like a three-mast schooner that... Um, charters people out in Lake Superior. Wow. So I did a lot of different boat theme stuff mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. But another B related activity. I know. I love things that start with B's. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm a Brian Byler, a bookbinder who yes. makes brass tools. And from Bloomington. <laughs> and I'm living in Bloomington. <laughs> so I know. And do you have a beard? Have a, I do have a beard. I told you I'm a living gimmick now. I can accept that. 
Yeah, it's like you can nerd out on things. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. I mean, in fact, in my in my from my perspective, the more you nerd out, I think the cooler you are. Mm-hmm. Or like the more freak flag you fly, you know, it's like <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. Just like yeah. do whatever you want. Yeah. And do it as yeah. hard as you want or as publicly as you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My uh, Tinder profile was just listing things that started with bees. Burritos, <laughs> bikes, bagels, base, <laughs> baskets. Big ash course. baskets. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Big baskets. Oh, man. Um, but so while I was an intern, uh, I um, uh, they kind of like, my bosses, like everyone there, as an intern, almost everyone that works there is your boss. And they were uh, encouraging me and pushing me to take a basket class. And uh, I really didn't want to. I thought, like, you only get so many credits. And, like, I didn't want to waste my credits on basketry. And I <laughs> thought basketry sounded pretty lame. And I thought I was too cool for baskets. And they ended up forcing me to do it. And, um, I had uh, Charlie Mayo, John Cezada, and Fred Livesay as the teachers. And uh, Fred was saying that he didn't want to talk to me because I was so angry the whole time. And I was like <laughs> swearing into my baskets and I was like really frustrated and struggled, um, which is actually pretty common for me in any class. Uh, but, but when I finished my basket, and this was a birch bark basket. Um, it's like I say something clicked, something like unlocked. And that's when I realized I had weaver fever. And uh, that night I wove something and I just couldn't stop weaving. It was, I was addicted. And then once I learned how to harvest the material, it was like all over for me. And I just kind of like went deep down this rabbit hole. Um, and then after the internship, I, had a job I worked at like a a ski hill as a liffy that was terrible um and then I got a job <laughs> at a, a homeless shelter mm. which is something that I've done on and off throughout my adult years mm. cool. and I left that job finally I was like you know I'm just gonna leave my job and see what full-time basketry looks like and haven't looked back since really mm. that was six years ago yeah, so nice. wow cool so I tell people, like, try things that you think you might not like, because I did not think I would like basketry. And look at me now. Now I'm a <laughs> complete basket case, and I can't stop weaving. I mean, and it's to the point where people don't even know your real name. Oh, they man. All, <laughs> right. you, know? you know, it's it's so funny. Three weeks ago, it was pretty funny. I I was like, I don't. I don't want to be Birch Bark Beth anymore. I'm more than just Birch Bark Beth. And like, I'm more complex than that. And I was like, I just, everyone just knows me as Birch Bark Beth. And what if I want to be other Bark Beth and work with other (laughs) Other, other, materials with basketry, you know? Yeah. And and now uh, then the pandemic happened and I'm like, no, no, I still want to be Birch Bark Beth. No, no, I was, I was just kidding. I don't, I I still want to be Birch Bark Beth. Do you think, would an alternative just be like uh, Bark Basket Beth? Uh, well, I tried to get people to call me Beach Body Beth, 
but that did <laughs> nice. it. Um, and then, and then the way that I process um, for a time, it made my right arm a little bit bigger than my left arm because of the tool yeah. and how much I was processing. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought one gun Homa was a name that I could go by, but uh, I learned you can't you can't force nicknames. I actually never chose Birchbark Beth. Birchbark was like Birchbark Beth was given to me. Oh, That's what people wow. just started calling me that, wow. and then I just decided to like lean in a little bit to mm. it, and now I regret oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Alliteration's great, and B is a great. A great, great, um, what is that? A uh, letter? Yeah. He's the best <laughs> yeah. letter. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and to add another thing to your list, I think that you could probably get into bowling since you already have that one arm that's bigger oh, than yeah. the other. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Bowling. Or arm wrestling. Oh, no. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. Oh, bicep, bicep. wrestling. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm trying to go into beast mode, so it's birch bark beast. Ooh, Ooh like that. that's yeah. pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. That's when the fever's the fever. raging. Yeah. Um. So, so you mentioned earlier, uh, two different things that I want to touch on. One of them is harvesting materials. Um. Can you talk a mm-hmm. little bit about that? How is that different from how how does birch bark differ from other types of basket? weaving material in the harvesting do seasonal changes affect any of the elements of that and then i also want you to talk a little bit about weaver fever <laughs> but we can wait on that yeah sure thing sure thing um so it is it's interesting i i sometimes wonder like how many jobs have it where you can only access your material like one month out of the year so you have to get all of your material and kind of guess like how many baskets do I want to make? How many classes am I going to teach? And and also quality and finding quality bark is difficult. Mm -hmm. And so it is like a thing. If my bark goes bad throughout the year or at any point during the year, I have to wait until next harvest season to get more bark. And it's also not necessarily easy to get. So, um, uh, there's a time of year and I get summer bark. There's also winter bark. We don't need to get into that unless we want to, but that's a, a kind of a different time of harvesting and a different use. That's mm-hmm. more for like how uh, native Americans would use large sheets for like canoes or, hmm. uh, oh, winnowing cool. baskets. You don't want it to delaminate. So you harvest it in the winter time. Oh, okay. Um, but I get summer bark where it does delaminate cause I want, to get those different layers for different baskets. Oh, interesting. So I get summer bark. Summer bark is uh, harvested whenever the wild roses are in bloom. Oh, wow. So it's very weather dependent. That's so poetic. It is. It is. Uh, Last year, usually I think summer solstice is like the kickoff, Hmm. Uh, but the seasons change. So like last year I was up in uh, the Superior National Forest and it was uh, summer solstice, uh, but the wild roses didn't bloom for a whole week, which is a lot later than usual. Another indicator is when um, it's also when the black flies are at their worst. Oh, if the bugs oh, are bad, no. the bark is oh, good. No. So they're the worst too. Ugh. Oh, another it is B bad. word. Yeah, bugs. Bugs. Yes. Yes. The mosquitoes. I don't even react to the bites anymore. Wow. 
Um, but the noise is like they just it's like all you can hear is <laughs> I'm gonna put that on a loop on the, okay. on the show. <laughs> I mean, I do have videos of the harvesting um, on my website, and if you turn the sound up, you will hear the bugs. Wow. Well, we'll definitely check that out if we need some nature sound since we're all in self quarantine. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, during this time, sap's flowing between the two layers, which allows for easy removal and safe removal. And that sap dries and forms a scab. And if harvested correctly, it will not kill the tree, but the birch tree will regrow another uh, outer layer of bark. You're going uh, during the warmer months, so there's sap flowing in between. Are there two primary layers of the bark? Yeah. Because you were talking a little yeah. about delamination during the different seasons and stuff. Could you just... For listeners who have no idea, who don't know anything about birch bark or baskets or anything. Well, so every tree has two layers of bark or two different barks. Um, but a lot of them are more like interwoven and kind of like growing together where uh, white paper birch trees have two very distinct inner bark and outer bark. Um, the inner bark is kind of like a cork bark. And it also okay. has the cambium layer, which has the growth cells, like it regenerates more layers of bark kind of like rings of a tree mm. the outer bark okay. grows a new uh layer of bark every mm. year and so if you make us uh during this time the sap's flowing between those two layers of bark so when you make the slice it if you time it just right there's like five days where i call it peak pop and the bark just <laughs> pops off the tree and like flies off you don't even have to wow. coax it it just like just pops right wow. off the tree that's that is cool. so cool. It's it's pretty uh, amazing. It's um, anytime I talk about it, my mouth starts to water, um, <laughs> and I, it's it's and like and also I start to smell it. It smells like like the inside of a pumpkin or a gourd. Oh. Some people say it smells like watermelon. Oh. I tell people um, to uh, lick the tree after they harvest wow. it because the sap makes the inside very sweet. And the trees probably like that too. Yeah, if you yeah. like it, yes, yes, um, <laughs> it does, it does. <laughs> and you know, um, that's a that's another like filthy basket mind of mine is just like getting people to like basically hug a tree and kind of stroke it up and down and lick it. So yeah, <laughs> I get I get some jollies out of that oh, um, for sure. But uh, and I. In years past, I've taken people out harvesting, kind of like Tom Sawyer, come paint my tree. Oh, yeah. I say, come climb yeah. my tree. Come climb my tree no. and lick it. <laughs> and uh, I call those people volunteer strippers oh or bark mules. <laughs> I was just going to say, and then you are they're all like doing the work, and then you're just in a lawn chair passed out with like an empty case of beer. Yep, yep. Some hams. <laughs> I got some hams next to me. <laughs> And uh, and a bug net hat. Um, yep. <laughs> but I get permits from the forestry and from the DNR, mm -hmm. so that'll put me on federal and state land. And typically, these permits are not like right off the road or right off like a hiking trail. Mm -hmm. Typically, the better bark is deep in the woods, and sometimes I'll hike maybe like, well, more not, more like bushwhack, like eight miles Whoa. back. Wow. Yeah. Um, last year was a water world harvest, I called it. And we had to like canoe across a lake <laughs> and then hike in. 
to get to the permit area. So uh, it seems to me that like the harder I can make things, the more I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Glutton yeah. for punishment. Yeah. To give you guys an idea. Um, so I kind of loosely measure how much bark I get. And I would say somewhere between 800 and 1200 pounds of bark. What? Wow. A year. And like, like hauling that out of the woods is hard yeah. work. So are you, Jeez. how are you doing that? Are you, do you have it just like on your back or something? Like, uh, well, that's why I get the volunteer strippers. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> you can carry, you can carry more bark out with uh, more people. Right, right. Uh, but I find that um, my quality of bark goes down because I'm so concerned about people's safety mm. and that they're mm. not killing the tree that, um, and that they're having like a good experience that um, if the bark quality isn't really what I want, it's hard to take somebody off of a tree Mm. that they're like hands are deeply underneath the bark and they're like having a super intimate (laughs) moment with the tree. And then you're like, no, it's not good bark. Get off that tree. No. No. So so, uh, I was planning this year on um, becoming birch bark beast and harvesting most of my bark myself whoa in 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 hopes just one to see if i can do it um and also to get the best most primo quality uh Mm -hmm. it's also fun too when i'm working with like some bark i'll be like oh i remember this tree you can go back to a tree and harvest safely later can you harvest on the same place that has been scabbed over or do you have to move to a different part of the tree so it regrows bark mm-hmm. um, if harvested correctly, mm-hmm. which means you're not cutting too deep mm-hmm. and you're not cutting into that second layer of bark. Um, and then the timing's right, so the sap's flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will regrow a second growth bark. It takes eight to 10 years wow. to do that. Wow. It doesn't look like that white papery bark. It looks like kind of like alligator skin. Mm-hmm. It looks like Deadpool. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it looks like Deadpool's what? face. Basically. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it looks like it's different. It's very different. Um, and that stuff is gorgeous. You can't weave with it, but you can do some really interesting stitched basketry wow. with it. Sorry, will you just explain what stitched bas- basketry is and how it differs from yours? So I'm doing a weave um, that's called a double diagonal plated weave, which is uh, traditional to like Scandinavian style or Russian style mm. of weaving. Uh, where stitched basketry is using like whole sheets of material with like cuts and folded up and then usually mm. stitched. So it's a little bit more like if you were working with leather or something. Yes. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So you're working with like um, bigger yeah. panels. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And according to the Swedes, you can harvest the bark off of a birch tree up to three times, but I've never seen third growth bark. I go back and I visit a lot of the trees that are still standing. I'd say about like 70% of the areas I get permits for are scheduled for some sort of like clear cut or forest maintenance or timber Mm. sales. So like before they get cut, I go and I remove the bark. But the ones that are still standing, um, I have like dropped pins and document and I go back and I visit to see the regrowth process. So this will be my ninth year harvesting. I go and I visit my first tree every year. Whoa. And it's, uh, it's got its first, it's got its second growth bark on there. Oh, yay. What's its name? I never have named it. No, uh uh-uh. 
<laughs> Do you want to try to come up with one now, or is that too much pressure? That's a lot of pressure. Well, uh, give me, give me, by the end of the episode, I think I'll come up with a name. Oh, good. What about Larry? Larry? No. <laughs> no. No. Brian, come on. No. It's got to be something cool. No. It's okay. going to start with a B, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh. Duh. Barry? Barry. Barry that, I already had a guinea pig named Barry. Oh, oh my gosh. All right. I'll keep thinking, but they're not going to be good. I'm really bad at coming up with names on the spot, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same. <laughs> so what is Weaver Fever? Uh, um, Weaver Fever, it's, uh, I don't, it's like, you know, when, when you do something that's very satisfying and it's just like, it scratches that itch, <laughs> you know, I mean, yes. you guys each have your, like your crafts that you have delve deep into, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There has to be a reason why. Mm -hmm. It's like that feeling you get when you come up with the perfect name for a birch tree. <laughs> yeah. that it's like that. Well, it's like, okay, when I teach classes, um, so harvesting is like one part of my life and then processing is like probably most of my life where I have the bark and now I need to make it usable and that involves like ripping it up and splitting it and slitting it and grading it and it's like um, a lot of picking and peeling and I'll have my students try it and sometimes they love it and sometimes they hate it and I tell them there's two different types of people people who like to pick scabs and usually half the class goes, mm, yes. Or then the, the other half is like, ew, gross. What is wrong with you guys? You're like, like okay, scabbies, come over here. Yeah, yeah. So, so weaver fever people uh, are those who like to like, you know, if you have sunburn and they'll, they'll just like peel your skin off. That's that's what Weaver Fever is. Um, <laughs> that's a that was actually a way um, more detailed description than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah we I got I, we got I, symptoms and everything. Yeah. Yes, symptoms. Um, yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> there's there's also a mathematical component, but we I, we don't have that much time to go into all the. Math <laughs> it, so. Just know it's a prereq if you want to get uh, Weaver Fever. Yeah, math. Yes. So I feel like you've sort of talked a little bit about this but why do you like working with birch bark over another material or are you looking to get into other materials well yeah I mean with all this new time on my hands I'm excited to explore cedar bark and uh, mm. work with uh, spruce root more um, I've woven like most baskets I've woven uh, pine needle baskets black ash willow um, I've woven a coracle, which is a, a boat oh, yeah. basket, a woven boat basket. Um, I've woven with like recycled materials and hair and um, like uh, I just go to back to birch bark because it's well with a lot of natural basket materials, you have to work with it wet mm. and you like mm. soak the material and then it's like this like wet, dry, wet, dry and your hands get all chapped and mm. In willow weaving, they actually have this like condition. If you like have been weaving for many years and it's called spatula fingers, Whoa. where your Ooh. fingertips start to splay out and turn into like mini spatulas. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. And <laughs> and it's like it's like painful and it's like yeah. Wow. But that's not the case with birch bark. Um you you work with 
fresh material and you do not i i used to play around and use water and like that doesn't really do anything <laughs> um and it really doesn't uh and now i use this like beeswax and walnut oil and so my hands mm-hmm. are nice and soft and conditioned and um so yeah i like that the material isn't like a wet dry kind of thing oh but yeah no birch bark um yeah it's water resistant i mean that's why they make boats and stuff out of it uh the oldest the oldest basket is made out of birch bark whoa oh cool how old Uh, is it so i mean oftentimes when i'm teaching i like pretend like there's like some rival between my basketry and other basketry (laughs) And I'll tell people like, well, that's a good basket, but birch bark. <laughs> the oldest basket, um, you know, the caveman that they found in France. Um, uh, like he's like the ice man. Oh, Otzi? He's um uh I mean he's like probably over ten thousand years old, I think. Yeah. Uh but he had a birch bark pouch on him. What? Wow, that is so cool. Uh, the oldest piece of birch bark I've ever held was 6,000 years old. I was wearing gloves. I was in like a archive wow. type of situation. Dang. But yeah, it will last It will last the longest. So I, I like to tell my students, there's a chance that when aliens are digging up our bodies, <laughs> that they'll find whatever birch bark thing you're making next to your skeletal <laughs> I don't know. What if you started making baskets out of plastic bottles? <laughs> That's true. I mean, I have I have woven out of plastic. Not quite the same satisfaction no, factor. No, there's something about um, going into the woods and gathering the material and then processing it and then weaving it like that start to finish. Yeah. Um, where I I don't I don't get to see the start of the plastic. The bark is best to be worked with um, fresh, so you'll see I make a lot of bigger baskets like right after harvest, and my prices are a lot more reasonable right after harvest. <laughs> and then uh, around this time of year, uh, the bark starts to get kind of dry, more brittle, and then my supply goes lower and lower and lower, and so my classes will be smaller items, my sales mm-hmm. are of smaller items, mm-hmm. and you'll see me starting to incorporate other materials uh, usually in the springtime. Have you ever run out of birch bark? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I try to use all of my bark within a year um, just because it's fun to work with fresher material than older material. Mm-hmm. So 800 to 1,200 pounds of bark. That's a lot of bark. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of trees. I store it, um, and storage is, like, important. If you store it like the worst place to store bark is in your car it turns into potato chips it's a finicky material mm-hmm. and if it's not stored right it goes bad and so mm-hmm. how do i store all of that material so it stays good um there's this abandoned uh over a hundred year old farmhouse and uh originally the people didn't know who i was or that I was storing my bark in their farmhouse <laughs> and now they now they know me and then since then also my buddy has bought the property so it's all good now um now I've now I'm okay to store my bark in this abandoned farmhouse but uh the walls are all um when it rains the walls fill up with water and all the windows are boarded up, so it's like a giant humidor. Wow. Um, a oh, cool. root cellar, a root cellar would be like the best conditions wow. to store your bark. 
but basically I just uh, fill this farmhouse with bark and then I pull out the rolls as I need it because you can't process it and let it sit in its weaver form. Um, you need to like use it or, or it's going to go bad. Use it or lose it. You got to mm-hmm. process it as you need it. Mm-hmm. And so um, this farmhouse, I'll go anytime I have a class or something or a big order, I'll go up to this farmhouse and pull my bark out. And three weeks ago, when I was about to start this residency, I went to the farmhouse and discovered that a family of skunks what? had moved oh, in no. underneath the farmhouse, directly underneath my bark stack. What? Wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I, I, my life is so fragile that a family of skunks could totally derail my business oh, wow. and ruin my whole supply. Yeah. The thing about skunk smell is like, you smell it at first, but then you kind of get used to mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. I kind of was like, well, I don't think it smells so much. So I grabbed it and I was like, maybe it'll air out. And so I, I taught a community class and I started teaching at the high school and everyone kept telling me that I smelled like weed. <laughs> <laughs> Skunky. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a, that, that, that thought hadn't crossed my mind that... People were going to think that I was on drugs, not that skunks had sprayed my bark. Are you able to do anything or? Well, it's actually, I was, I was like, kind of like, oh no, I, I was going to have to cancel some classes, but then luckily this pandemic happened (laughs) and and now it's not, it's not because of the skunks, but the, the pandemic uh, is why my classes are canceled. Yeah. And and now I'm making baskets for me because I, I don't care if it smells like skunk. <laughs> and right. it'll, doesn't yeah. it, it'll probably go away eventually, won't it? It's, I, I don't even smell it anymore. It seems to be that it's only like people, like their first interaction with it is like, oh, but then it kind of it dissipates, fades away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think it will go away over time. Yeah. Or just you can always advertise it as like it has like a new like um, mysterious musk smell. <laughs> it's they're like they're like uh, conditions with like conditioned with CBD oil <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. By using it, it helps arthritis or whatever. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's funny though that like if my supply goes bad, what do I do? So I'm thinking now, like, I have to have, like, different stashes mm. all over the state. You need to find more abandoned houses. Right. Yeah. Diversify your portfolio. <laughs> uh, you what is that? They call that, um, what is it? Uh, don't Not putting all my eggs in one basket. Not putting all my yeah. bark in one farmhouse. It's pretty hard to consider the craft of pottery without thinking of tired cliches about clay and humans from the Bible, or a transparent Patrick Swayze in the movie Ghost. Fortunately for us, Courtney Martin lives above all that noise in the western mountains of North Carolina. Out there, she takes wild North Carolina clay processed by her friends at Starworks Ceramics, and with her hands, a wood kiln plus more tools and artistic fluidity than I can feign to give justice to. She guides the clay's transformation into a myriad of shapes whose very figures dictate the ways in which the humans they belong to utilize them. 
A visit to her Instagram page reveals an artist who has a continually melding relationship with the materials she uses. This relationship is one of careful, attentive care, and it becomes embedded in the bowls, trays, mugs, pots, and other things Courtney Martin has manifested for you to use. Trust me, if you take a visit to her website, CourtneyMartinPottery.com, like me, you'll get fired up about the possibilities too. So, Beth, what do you wish people not involved in basketry or birch bark basketry knew about it that, you know, they don't know? <laughs> that birch bark is the most superior material for basketry <laughs> and that the, the double diagonal plated weave, the double diagonal, keyword diagonal, opens the door of mathematical possibilities. If you can figure out where to turn a corner or where to add weavers, you can make any shape. It's amazing. And then uh, one thing I want people to know about baskets is like, you know, there's that basket aisle in every thrift store and you can buy uh, an imported basket for very cheap. But I think local baskets, locally made, local harvested material baskets. I don't think people think about what baskets are made locally to their area because every area has different materials growing and based off of the materials that's going to determine the style of weave and what kind of baskets you're going to make and so mm. there's every culture every culture has baskets even in like the united states there's different baskets for different regions and mm -hmm. so often people are just buying imported baskets of like grasses from you know from like asia or africa and it's all these like imported baskets but there's a lot mm -hmm. of really really cool local baskets that are happening so is there how would you re recommend for people who are interested in you know acquiring something like that what's the best way to look for it what are either key search terms or are there is there like some kind of basket hub uh, well, there, there's weaver guilds. There's weaver guilds in um, most locations. So would the best thing to be to just do like an internet search for like, you know, weaver guild Bloomington, Indiana or something like that? Yeah, or just uh, try by the state first. Um, but yeah, also maybe even just like look in your ditches, see what's growing around you. Um, there's like a basket for every type of material that you can find, which is uh, brings me to what I wanted to uh, do in going down the Mississippi River in my boat, Ooh, yeah. I thought maybe I could harvest the materials and then stop at different towns and be like, hey, I found this material just up the river. These are the different types of baskets you can make with it. And I can weave <gasps> baskets all the way down the Mississippi River. Oh my gosh. And it would change. It would change because the material would change. Yeah. Wow, that is such a cool project. You're like a yeah. basket missionary. I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I really am a basket case. <laughs> that seems just like the type of project yeah. that could be funded. Could be yeah. I know it's yeah. really it's easy and fun for me to say because I I have nothing at stake to be like you should apply for grants. I, <laughs> I'm working on grants right now. Um in fact, I'm trying to I'm trying to write a book. Well, more illustrated Ooh. book, comic book style. 
uh, about cool. birch. And uh, nice. yeah, and uh, that I would, I don't know. It's, I'm good with my hands, but words can be hard. So uh, we'll see mm. how this goes. But I, I, but I do have lots of grant ideas. Well, if anyone listening happens to be someone giving out grants, feel free to get in touch with Beth. Yeah, if anyone out there wants to just give me money, I promise you I will put it to good basket use. (laughs) So what about your craft satisfies you that you don't feel that you would get from another job or career? Uh, I, I do like being my own boss. I like waking up every day kind of thinking like, huh, well, what what should I do today? And there's always like a list of what I should do. And that's not always what I do. <laughs> I can and I like that. having that freedom. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I do every now and then. So I am my own boss, but I do pick up weird side gigs where like, like um, I worked at a liquor store like for 10 oh. hours every month and <laughs> Uh, just to like give me perspective and realize like, yeah, I really hate working for other people. <laughs> it doesn't matter how cool my boss is. But couldn't you argue that maybe Birchbark is your boss? <laughs> Lately, when I've been working with bark and processing it, so I like cut it up and I split it and I strip it and then I split it again and I have these piles all over different piles for different thicknesses and different weights i like to think that i'm letting the tree tell me what it wants to be Mm. and and i find that when i have an idea of what i want it to be it it, i have a harder time making the material work oh interesting so yeah so and there's times when like it's like well I'm teaching this class and you you just have to be these these koozies I know you want to be something else and I, <laughs> I can I can force the material but it's just been such a treat to really explore and listen to the material and notice such a difference even though huh. they're the same tree yeah different trees give you right. different bark because of the genetics and because of what's in the soil. And uh, I really find that fascinating. And so what you mean by listening to the material, it's that when you're feeling it, you can feel that some quality or another, and I'm sure it Mm -hmm. plays into just intuition eventually as you get experience, but you're able to sort of be like, oh yeah, this one would be great for that kind of shape. Like it already wants to move in that sort of way yeah. that that shape requires. It's like how spoon, spoon dorks, they're like, ooh, <laughs> mouthfeel. They talk about oh, the mouthfeel, yeah. you know? Oh, mouth it's like that, right? And yeah. by, by spoon dorks, you mean those people, those crazy people carving spoons out of little pieces of wood, right? Yes, and I, I use that term <laughs> spoon dork endearingly. I have lots of, <laughs> lots of spoon dorks as friends, but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we have we do have a spoon dork lined up on the docket to be interviewed in a um a couple interviews from now, so we're excited about that. Well, and I would consider Amy, you're you're more complex than just being a spoon dork but in my <laughs> eyes uh and i was i was telling brian this that i've like gone to the spoon gathering for many years never mm-hmm. carved a spoon until you taught me last year oh <laughs> oh yeah oh so special i feel like i approach teaching 
in a different way than it's been set up in the craft community. For me, I ha- I don't have like a huge, very strong like craft teaching setup. Like I, it's it's been a huge struggle for me to like get the tools and all that kind of stuff. And I think from that, I've realized that maybe people just show up when they need to be taught something and I'll just teach them. And it won't, it doesn't have to be like a big production of me going to three states over and holding a big class and that sort of thing. Cause it doesn't seem to like, that's not flowed naturally for me. Right. Right. Anyway. okay. Well, it's because of that is why I, I mean, it's not like people hadn't tried and offered to teach me to carve Mm. a spoon. I had the like opportunities to carve spoons, but I was like holding out for me specifically. I, 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 like, I like I like I like your style. I like your um. It's very like can do and like use what you can yeah. and like yeah figure it out. It's in like a way. matter of fact. Let's do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> plus your plus your uh, little um drawing handouts are so. I love those. Uh, which, for anyone interested, Amy does sell a PDF of a very artfully um, illustrated instructional manual for how to carve spoons. Yeah, Amy's style. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a little. I feel like it's a little more geared towards axe work and like basic layout of understanding what you're doing when you're removing wood to get to a spoon. Like I don't talk so much about like like the safety aspects of carving a spoon because like, I just assume I guess I personally feel that like maybe we focus on that a little too much sometimes I think usually the the folks I'm teaching already have like a basic idea of how not to stab themselves <laughs> um, and that sort of comes naturally so I, I if it sometimes feels a little too overwhelming to tell everybody they have to hold everything in a certain way and all that kind of stuff so i'm just like you know just try what you you know keep trying what you're doing as long as you're not trying to slice your finger off you're you're all right (laughs) (laughs) that makes me curious what is the worst injury that you've ever had well they're no longer with us so (laughs) right that's why i'm not a teacher uh, anytime, anytime I hurt myself, I try to pretend like it's not happening. You know, right. like, no, it's it's like like the, there's just like blood everywhere. I'm like, no, it's fine, it's fine. It's right. like, yeah, there are people just, like I, that. I experienced that too, where it's like, yeah, you know, you could use a band aid, and then and they yeah, want to act like it, it's not actually happening, which is <laughs> the same thing that you're talking about. But um, <laughs> then then I'll be like, well. Okay, so I know that this hasn't happened, but <laughs> if you want to keep blood off of your spoon, you could put a Band-Aid on it, and that usually brings it around. <laughs> Unless that's what you're going for, then you have to like <laughs> right. get more blood on right, it. Right, right. That's what you want to, want to do. <laughs> I'm going for that red oxide color for my, for my quilt pattern yeah. spoon. There's, um, there's a black ash weaver. Uh, uh, you may know her, April Stone. She's mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. a hero turned friend. Mm-hmm. We're now friends. Oh, uh, and yeah, and uh, that's how Amy was for yeah. me. Oh, <laughs> isn't that great when that happened? Yes, it's the best. <laughs> but there's a thing where, um, you know, uh, basket weaving. It's uh, not a very dangerous craft. You know, there's not a lot of knife work. Mm-hmm. Mostly just scissor work mm-hmm. and uh, weaving. And so drinking's allowed a lot of times. And, uh, <laughs> 
there's been times when, and I, I weave with April and she's a black ash weaver. And uh, there's been several baskets where wine accidentally gets spilt on part of the basket. And then it's <laughs> like, well, I guess I'm just going to dye the whole basket in wine. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. <laughs> but another reason why birch bark is more superior is because it's water resistant. Right. And so if you spilt wine on it, you can just pour that wine back into your cup. <laughs> yeah, that's it doesn't, amazing. It doesn't really stain it. So that's awesome. This might be part of your answer. I don't know uh, what you're just talking about there. Who is someone inside your craft that you admire, um, and who is someone from outside of your craft that you admire? Oh well, yeah, April April Stone. Um, the way that she thinks about material and she's about harvesting and processing and um and if you're spending all that time doing that you should really spend time like making sure your baskets like weighted and um kind of balanced and like I just I like how serious she takes she takes the material and the whole process of basket weaving mm. um so yeah uh she's like top on my list of who I admire mm. Um, and outside of my craft, hmm, hmm. I mean, there's so many, um, I want to come up with a good one. I mean, if there was, if there was like a class and a specific teacher that you wish that you could, you know, like maybe that, that's a good place to start. Like it doesn't have to be that this is your ultimate craft crush or something, but like off the top of your head, what, what class have you been waiting to take with a with a particular person, maybe that would help. Ooh, that is, that is a good one. Um, well, one of my favorite classes was broom making. Hmm. That's cool. Uh, making a broom. Um, cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I really like tool making. Um, that was with Dennis Chilcoat. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, sometimes I like to give people fake information. <laughs> Um, as, as a teacher, I kind of think it's kind of like a fun thing where you can like, oh, people are like writing down what you're saying and like, they're believing what I'm saying. So sometimes I'll like throw <laughs> in some amazing. like, some fake news in there. And so there was a time when I was telling people that Dennis Chilcote's name, I was pronouncing it kind of like how Polly Shore would. And I was like, yeah, Dennis Chilcote. <laughs> <laughs> and, and i actually have heard people reference him <laughs> that way <laughs> so, yeah just like you know i like to real, realize how much power i have with, uh, with what i'm teaching people um yeah dennis chilko is like probably one of my uh favorite teachers in general and he teaches knife sharpening hmm. um and that's like a three-day class well i guess it's just sharpening in general mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just his like, he teaches very differently than I do. I'm like overly excited and can't focus. I'm so excited to tell people everything about Bart, mm -hmm. where he's like very slow and lets people like digest what he says and like think through things. And like, yeah, um, he's a very, very good teacher and he's a engineer too. So he kind of engineers his classes mm -hmm. like in tries to I think like he's a great teacher and skilled craftsperson but the way that he's figured out teaching is really 
admirable. I I would love to be as good of a teacher as Dennis Chilcote. Do you hear that, Dennis? Chilcote. (laughs) Do you hear that, Dennis? (laughs) Mr. Chilcote. (laughs) So outside of the craft you're in now, what else are you interested in? Why? Uh, Well, I... Right now, I really want to get into gardening. Hey, me too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I want to plant a victory garden and be more self-sustainable. And uh, these past couple days, I've been biking around and scouting down by the river. Uh, I want to weave a garden. What does that mean? (laughs) So so there's these types of uh, willow baskets. Uh, They're like walls. Waddle. They're called waddles. Okay. Waddles. Oh, cool. Like waddle and dub? Um, maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think they're like Irish or Scottish or that area is where they originate from. And I mean, if you look in history books too, like uh, um, if you look at old like World War One, I, I call them war baskets and they'd have like waddles, like these like woven walls. Um, but, okay. but you can... Um, not in wartime, make gardens mm. uh, and make waddles. Of, I'm going to do a raised bed where uh, it's willow spokes pounded into the ground and then woven up tightly. Mm. And then that will be the dirt. And that's where the garden starts. But then um, because so cool. squirrels and rabbits and all that sort of thing, you know, instead of having a fence, I'll, I'll weave looser up top. And that will hopefully keep out the vermin cool. or or keep in my guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us all about Kip. Kip. Well, I mean, Kip is my current guinea pig. Uh, I just got a tattoo of uh, an old guinea pig. <laughs> so you have a beard. And I'm like worried if uh, he does have like a cute little beard. His name's Barry. Aww. He was... One of the, I mean, he was, I think he was part show pig because he had the most luxurious hair. <laughs> it was, and, and around his butt, he grew, his hair would grow extra long. So it's almost like he had like a rat tail. Oh my gosh. But like, but like a human a rat man. tail, like long hair just oh in the back gosh. area. And, and yeah, he was just, he was the like gentlest, most calm pig. And he was he was about eight years old when he died. Wow. But Wow. Yeah, but Kip, um, Kip's our new pig. I mean, he's now about three years old, maybe. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, and guinea pigs have just been it's it starts with one. It's an impulse <laughs> buy, you know. <laughs> You're like, I'm lonely, I can't I'm not I don't have enough time or I'm not put together enough to have a dog. I really want a dog. <laughs> What's but I don't have the money, so uh, well, a guinea pig, yeah, sure. Uh, it was an impulse buy, and then you you buy one, and then you like hear that you want them to have a friend, so you buy another, and then one dies, and then you have that one, and then soon enough, you buy another one, and then that one dies. It's like this endless cycle, and so I've had I've had a lot of guinea pigs actually and most of them are like adopted from like mm-hmm. you know rescues mm. um this guinea pig i got uh tim and i got it on our honeymoon we were in colorado so he's our little mountain honey pig <laughs> and, 
That is so cute. Yeah, and um, and he right now he's loving it that we're home. He's basically free range all the time. <laughs> really? Yep. Mm-hmm. And Dang. and uh, he's a good um basket tester. Oh, uh, what does that mean? Back in the day, um, like during the uh, fur trading days, uh, they would have black ash pack baskets, and they would say, "Oh, this is a two beaver basket." Mm-hmm. And that's like how many beavers you could fit in your pack basket. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So um, I'll I'll put Kip in it and say, oh, this is like a three guinea pig basket. <laughs> or... This is a 15 <laughs> guinea pig basket. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I was telling somebody the other day, like, oh, it's easy to remember how far you need to stay away from people right now. It's eight guinea pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are they really that big? Uh, some Kip is a big boy. He is a very, very big guinea pig. Um, yeah, How? it they because I mean, I'm, eight guinea pigs is six feet. Yeah, I mean, how long is if, he? So uh, based off of Kip, if, if, if Kenny, if if Kip, if Kip lays, um, if he goes into his corpse pose, I call it, where he like elongates himself, uh, he he is definitely a foot long. Wow. Wow. But he's a big boy, so that's not every guinea pig. (laughs) So, Beth, if someone wants to see more of your work, where can they find you? Right now, the most that I am updating is my Instagram, and that's birchbarkbeth. That's my handle. I also have a website that's www.homa-style.com. But if you Google birchbarkbeth, it will lead you to my website too. Great. So. Well, and you mentioned also that you have some YouTube videos of your work where people can sort of, or YouTube videos of you working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, I have like little videos um, on my website and on my Instagram, but lately uh, because we are all quarantined right mm-hmm. now, um, I have been live streaming uh, on Instagram, typically around 7 p.m. Uh, central time Mm -hmm. and I've been uh, trying to get friends to join me and craft and showing the craft and talking and like your quarantine (laughs) yeah my quarantine yeah Uh hey why'd you guys choose the name I have I mean I have a question for you guys uh why'd you guys choose the name (laughs) cut the craft go ahead Brian (laughs) well Katie came up with cut the craft actually you know so it's kind of like cut Mm -hmm. cut the crap like, let's mm-hmm. get down to business. Let's get down to the brass tacks and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But yeah, we just thought, I mean, it's a podcast that both Amy and I have looked for mm-hmm. separately. And then I was driving home um, in January and I, the idea popped in my head where I was like, oh man, what if Amy and I did a podcast since this doesn't <laughs> right. seem to exist? <laughs> right, right. Maybe we could just talk to people and record it and then as soon as i mentioned it to amy she was like yes let's do it <laughs> that's how she said yes. it in my let's deep voice do yes, it. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like <laughs> right right that, that's how i am <laughs> yes and then rage against the machine kicked down <laughs> actually no i like beth's rendition better uh, <laughs> oh man are there going to be t-shirts yes. eventually yes, yes. Um, we're talking yeah. t-shirts we're talking koozies stickers yeah. 
hats, yep. mugs, everything that you want. Yeah, lanyards. Yes, I'm very excited to hear it. Um, I've been looking for crafting podcasts to mm-hmm. listen to and have been unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope we don't disappoint. But thank you so much for taking the time to share a little bit about Weaver Fever with us. And guinea pigs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for letting me uh, geek out on yeah, baskets. It's great to have you on the show. Okay. Next up, we have an interview with ceramicist Courtney Martin. And to give you a glimpse into the glazed world of ceramics, here's a brief clip from that interview. You know, we order clay together. We order mm-hmm. materials together, you know. Instead of asking our neighbor for a cup of sugar, we can ask our neighbor for <laughs> 10 pounds of fire clay. <laughs> All right, Amy, let's wrap it up. Please feel free to hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and to follow us on Instagram at Cut the Craft Podcast. To see images of our guests' work and stay up to date on happenings and releases. You can also find myself and Brian on Instagram, and our handles are at Amy underscore Umble and at BH Beidler, which is B E I D L E R. Also, if you have any questions, interview requests, or other suggestions for the show, you can email us at cutthecraftpodcast at gmail.com. And though this may just be two yahoos hanging out in their living rooms making chit chat, (laughs) we are forever grateful to those who have already helped to make this podcast a reality. Of course, we'd love to thank you, our listeners, and our guests, without whom the show would be pointless and or non-existent. And thanks to Brad Vetter for making us look like we know what we're doing with his graphic design, our good friends the High Divers for letting us use their sweet tunes, our resident poet Justin Williams for his commercial wizardry, and to Ian Carstens for his help and advice with the technical side of things. In fact, he curates his own video interview series called Glass Breakfast that you can find with a quick internet search. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Thanks. See you next time.